Let's get it. I'm starting to think I just shouldn't drive. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. I got another flat tire today. Yeah, that's my you, dude. sixth flat tire in a year. What's the consistency? Fifth different car. What's the consistency? Consistency here is me, but the the funny thing here is, what is this? A six inch wrench? Dude, that's a serious it's a crescent wrench. wrench. <laughs> that's a serious. It somehow punctured the rear tire. Couldn't find. Oh man. An issue. I, I went to I went to one place. They were nice. Looked at. It, they're like, yeah, we're not gonna be able to patch that. And I was like, okay, cool. I get yeah. that. But I, then I start calling around because, like, apparently it's the tire that I have, you know, you got to have a special tire. Da, 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 yeah, you, got, da. you got a Honda Fit that uses smaller tires. So. No, no, this is the Pilot. Oh, that's right. It was the Pilot. The My Pilot. Bad. Yeah. So big shouts to uh, Chad Smith at Colony Tire and Service. Listens to the show. Yeah. Big fan of the show. Yeah. We stopped by over there, got me in, got me out, got me a new tire. Yeah, because I was going over there to pick you up and but bring you back to the station. You also... Dennis, did we get the clip of of, of Chad, Chad with uh, Joe being like, hey, the real problem here is Jillio, it's right? It's you, man. Tell me it's a Jillio problem. This is a him problem, right? It's okay. Yeah, Thanks. that's what I thought. Chad's a, <laughs> Chad's a state fan, too, so, you know, he, he listens to pack therapy, so he knows. Yeah. Got tire therapy. Tire, ch- changing <laughs> tires, eight for soft people, so. Right. But come to Colony Tire, they'll, they'll hook you up. Chad did want to talk about the officiating last night. Yes. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> Which we'll get to. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Super Bowl's in the books, which means it's time for the real NFL season. Mock draft season. Todd McShay, come on, buddy. Hit me with the real. What? Who's making a move? Because we know the Bears are not going to keep that number one pick. Because they already got Justin Fields. McShay, give me something. Who's making the move? Who's getting that number one spot? Give me something. Todd. I mean, they've tried the veteran route over and over again. And Chris Ballard, their GM, oh, has done a Colts. really good job of, of building that organization and, and building the roster. But they just have not had a quarterback. So yeah. the urgency is there. So the Colts. The Colts are going to move up. Let's go. But then Todd McShay also dropped this doozy on us today. The, the Bears, who already have Justin Fields, should take Bryce Young? Personally, I would take Bryce Young if I was Chicago. I don't think that's going to be the decision that they make. I well, think they're going to move back and, and take advantage of the fact that you, you have Houston at two, Indianapolis at four, Las Vegas at seven, uh, seven, I believe, Carolina at nine. There's a bunch of teams that want to move up. How far back do they move? We'll find out. But I, I would do it. Because I, I would want Bryce Young because I think he's an upgrade over Justin Fields. And I want his rookie contract so I have five years. But I don't think they're going to wind up making that decision, which means they're going to move back with one of these teams. Uh, my brain hurts. Justin Fields is on a rookie contract. Do you think Bryce Young's an upgrade on Justin Fields? You're just restarting your clock at that button. Nah. And Bryce Young, I'm telling you, uh, it, it, this take will get spicier and spicier the closer we get to the draft. But whoever takes Bryce Young is going to be looking for a new quarterback after three years. With you on that. Next up. One, two, three. Carolina Hurricanes are taking on the Washington Capitals on Saturday night in the stadium series. Maybe you've heard about this game. I have heard about this game. Well, we got a little bit of a preview last we night did. in our nation's capital and the Canes, of course. After a long break, doesn't matter. They come back. They win another game. Let's get two minutes of gold from our friend, Adam Gold. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Let's do that hockey. 
right, boys and girls, I got two minutes for Carolina playing worse than they played against the Rangers, but winning. Yes, that's right. They played worse than they did Saturday night, but still won. Opponents matter. Rangers are better than the Capitals. Capitals are also a banged-up hockey club. Our condolences to Alexander Ovechkin, who missed last night and probably the next week or so because his father passed away. He will not be in the stadium game. That's an upsetting thing. We would love to see Ovechkin here for that spectacle. But they're also missing Tom Wilson. They're missing John Carlson. Even a guy like Nick Dowd out of the lineup is noticeable for the Capitals. Hurricanes were a little sloppy at times. They allowed two transition goals. But ultimately, two things happened last night. Hurricanes had a net front presence. The same thing happened on all all three goals traffic in front and on this power play goal Brady Shea shoots it Stefan Nason in front tips it and a shot will score on the power play Shea got it through and deflected by Carolina out front and a power play goal has put the Canes on top 3-2 Steph Nason with the stick out in front Hurricanes won the special teams battle. The Capitals were 0 for 3 on their power play. And because the Capitals were not threatening on their power play, it allowed Rod Brindamore to challenge this. Now one-timer by Snively, bouncing puck, still in the crease. Anderson tries to snow angel, they'll put it in. And Reamsdyke gets to the loose puck and pounds it home. It's the rule. So, I mean, on the overhead, it's clear he goes in by himself. And then it, you know, he takes a crack at the puck, but then he lies on the goalie for a split second. So... By the letter of the law, you're not allowed to do that. So that's why I was pretty sure, buddy. Nobody's sure. Thankfully, we had the overhead because I couldn't tell the other way. And then they showed the overhead. And he was, you know, clearly stand, hang was on the pad, holding down for a second. Would it have mattered on the goal? That's not how it works, you know. So it was an easy challenge for, for us. So we pick up a win. Didn't play as well. Now it's the Cam Ward show tomorrow at PNC Arena as he goes into the Hurricanes Hall of Fame. And we'll talk to Cam Ward on the program tomorrow. Yeah, that's a plug. I'll see you between noon and three. Plugging his own damn show on our show? How? Oh, yeah, we're coworkers. That's cool. Uh, that's Adam Gold. That's two minutes. Check out the Cans Corner podcast wherever you get your podcast. You want to know what the weather's going to be on Saturday? Yes, sir. Let's go. We're still talking zero here in terms of percent of rain. Zero percent chance of rain according to WRAL. Mostly clear. High of 53, low of 35. I saw Elizabeth on TV pointing out that it's probably going to be in the 40s by game time. I know Friday we're going to be out at the Fan Fest. It's supposed to be rainy earlier in the day. It's a free event, but... Based on the hourly predictions for Friday, we should be fine later in the afternoon. Most of that rain should clear out after lunch, and uh, we'll be able to hang out dry out in the Fayetteville Street area. So, so come by, say hello. What 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 temperature is the Gilio line that I'm allowed to use Dude, the I solo stuff? Whatever your comfort level is, Joe. I, I find it amusing that me, the South Florida guy, is really looking forward to Saturday's temperatures and will layer up and be prepared. You, who grew up in New Jersey, you know, a place that hardens you with listening to Mike Francesca, mm. ain't no soft people here. You're very much like, eh, I need my solo stove. I do. I think it'll keep us nice and warm. Between you and me, mm-hmm. there's nobody listening, right? I don't think so. Dennis, can you check the real-time ratings meter? Yeah, we're good. Okay, nobody's listening. All right, nope, cool. No one. Solo stuff.
Those are kind of overrated. Are they? Because they contain the heat I was say, rather than no, no. You want heat to emanate. It's contained inside the solo stove, but so you have to literally deck, stay. You you've mi- seen the fires right, right, that I right, built. Right. But you might as well just go get yourself a giant tin drum trash can and throw newspapers in it and look like a homeless man in a movie. Uh, Rocky, yeah, yeah, like Rocky. Can we sing? Go. You could sing your country song. <laughs> I could actually. In my tight I don't, jeans, I feel like just right. I'm not gonna be parked close enough outside to my oil drum, the solo stove. I mean, dude, unless I give it to Brianna to is bring. Is it gonna work? Unlike the Keurig you brought up to the PNC Arena that one time. Ouch. I Next. might have a solution. Just What's like that? Me. Cuddling. Yeah. Valentine's Day was yesterday, Dennis. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. <laughs> oh, well, I care. And a lot of people cared that Mike Krzyzewski came back to Cameron Indoor Stadium last night. Duke got the win. They had something for Mike Bray, who was a former Duke assistant before leaving to take the head coaching job at Delaware. And obviously, we know the rest of that history. He's at Notre Dame, successful. And he's going to be finished as the head coach at Notre Dame at the end of this year. Who knows what the future holds for Mike Bray. I envision television for Mike Bray. He's really good and off the cuff. Here's John Shire on K making a return to Cameron for the first time to watch a basketball game since, you know, that whole thing that was unacceptable at the end of last season. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome having him. And uh, uh, we talked about, uh, well, one, we've talked about even preseason. You know, when are you going to come to a game unless you had a game? And uh, for him to be here tonight, you know, it's special for me. You know, I've been in so many battles and games here with him, with him right next to me. I don't know how he felt sitting over there instead of on the bench, but uh, it just means a lot. His support, he's been incredible throughout this whole year, throughout this whole process. And, uh, you know, I just I wanted to make sure we got the win, you know, while he was here. And, uh, but it was really special for me to have him and, uh, and Mickey as well. It was a really cool thing for me and the team and our staff. That's John Shire, Duke head basketball coach on former head coach. Mike Krzyzewski being there. A couple questions, Joe. Do you think that that was Mike Krzyzewski's Valentine's Day desire or Mickey's Valentine's Day desire? Could have been their gift to each other. Maybe. Like, all right, hey, let's go back. Hey, we have a game this year. Let's go back and watch a game. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm with you on that. Here's my second question. Do you think he should have had better seats? No, I think he strategically planned those seats to, get that, to be able to get out. Because I'll be honest with you, that's not a great spot at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, I know it's outside the player entrance, that tunnel, and I guess it makes for an easy exit strategy if things get dicey. But you're in front of the drummer. You got the band right behind you. It's loud all the time. And you got people coming in in and out all the time, too. And it could obstruct your view. And, of course, you're right there front and center. People want to, like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It's funny. Last year when people were asking, like, oh, you know, is Coach K going to come back? And the... At least the people that I talked to, the consensus was, yeah, he'll show up to a neutral site game where he can be up in a suite or whatever, courtside, like we've seen at NBA games. But the the refrain was, where's he going to sit in Cameron? You know, like Roy has his perch. Right. You know, at he's the Smith Center. At the Smith Center. It's right outside the player's entrance, but it's up. You know, it's not, you know, it's kind of got his own thing. There's nobody in front of him. Maybe they need to make a special crow's nest for Mike Krzyzewski. They, they definitely could. They or he can sit where his family usually sits on the 
second or third row there at the balcony. They could do that. Yeah, that's true, too. See where he sat last night. He, he probably liked it. Probably. Shout out to uh, Bucky Waters, who made a cameo in the Pat Welter video. Just zooming along. Bucky's the best. Next up. Is there like a 1A and a 1B? Because there's there's the state basketball game that took place, and then there's the officiating discussion that comes along with it. We'll, we'll get to 1A and 1B next. I'm sitting outside my Civic, beer in my hand. Watching the Carolina Hurricanes take command. The sun's going down and the air is just right. Perfect pair of jeans. Feeling good tonight. It's not bad. Never want to grow up. Just want to hang out. With my bros and my neighbor Sebastian Ajo, no doubt. Have the verses fine. You just don't Ladies have the Ladies looking good, beers ass cold. This is the chorus. This night's gonna be the one to behold. I never wanna grow up, just wanna hang out with my bros and my neighbor Sebastian. I hope, no doubt. What is the name of the song? All right, now I gotta get to the second. Uh, verse. You know, I think it's just beers, civic, and bros. Maybe that's what Sounds I call right. it. Beers, civics, and bros. No, Song of the summer. Yeah, so once I found out, hey man, once I found out Jake Owen was the was the performer for the stadium series game, I had never heard of the guy before, so Jillio played me some of the stuff. I'm like, oh, this got run through the AI chatbot for lyrics, didn't it? Let's check off all the boxes. There's there's beer, there's women, there's jeans, some old car Body on the back water. road. Yeah, you got to have a river, a lake, the ocean. Check them, touch them all, baby. So I, I put the parameters in for Chat GPT, and it spit. I said, "Give me a bro country song that features me drinking beer from my Honda Civic hatchback, uh, a pair of jeans that fits right, and my neighbor Sebastian Ajo." And that's what it gave me. It was pretty good, and I'd never heard that uh, that backing track before, Dennis. So I did that all on the fly yesterday, hundred percent on the and fly. I'm pretty impressed with myself and how I got the timing. All right. That was on the fly, ad libbed. I know the verses were good. The hook was well, yeah. The the, the we, robot we need to define the hook. That's the, all. Yeah, the robot could use some fine tuning on that. Speaking of fine tuning, ACC officiating can use some fine tuning. We find ourselves, you know, arguing with each other again about officiating because of how last night's game went between NC State and and Syracuse. It's easy. It's easy to point out that if officiate, if you understand officiating is not good right now. You got to work double, or or your margin of error cannot be so thin. And that 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 was the problem for the Wolfpack last night, Joe. They weren't hit, they weren't hitting threes, and guys who do hit. What was Casey Morsell last night? One of seven, one for nine, one for nine. And Morsell has been good. Yeah, he's been their most consistent three point shooter. Okay, Terquavion Smith had a somewhat off night in the first yeah. half, but helped power them back into that game. But when you're not hitting threes, and two dudes for Syracuse hit clutch threes. In late game situations, one guy who hasn't made a three or attempted a three until last night. So that's Jesse Edwards, who's one for one this year on threes in his career. Eighty nine games, one for one. And you got Judah Mintz, who's shooting nineteen percent. Here's a bonkers stat: makes a three for last Judah night. Mintz, who made yeah. a three. That's the first time last night that Syracuse has won an ACC game. When Judah Mintz has made a three pointer, <laughs> of course it is. 
Of course it is. Because he made three pointers yeah. against uh made three pointers against Virginia Tech, yeah. loss. Made a three pointer against Carolina, loss. Mm-hmm. Made a three pointer against Virginia, loss. Oh boy. Made a three pointer against Pitt, loss. Like you can't yeah. make this stuff up. They made two fluky threes. Ultimately, you look at that and you go, Well, maybe it was Syracuse's night. Might have been, yeah. That ignores the final 49, let's call it the 50 seconds, the final 50 seconds of the game. But the thing is, it, this is not unique to NC State. And that's ultimately no, that's ultimately my issue. And I think the attitude that has to be taken is what I picked up on between Jim Beheim and Kevin Keats at the end of the game. It was an extended exchange between the two coaches. Sure. And Jim Beheim has a versatile smile that he could actually legitimately be smiling or he's being a jerk, right? The, it's the variance a is wide. Eating grin, yes. Yes, the variance, the Denny's eating grin, yeah, is very, very wide well <laughs> for Jim Beheim. Okay, very wide for him. Yes. But when I wa- I, I rewound my Hulu, I'm like, let me watch this again a couple times. <laughs> and this is my own speculation. Yeah. But I think I I think I got this. I think I got this. I think Beheim and Keats had an exchange of. Man, do these officials stink. Like, Keats made it known, or maybe Beheim told him, hey, man, tough break. And Keats is like, man, I've been getting screwed all year. And I know this because I read lips from Jim Beheim. They've been effing me all year. Or it's not the first time I've been effed this season. Something to that effect, right? He used an F word. He did. And I think at that point, they're like, Psh, bro, yeah, man, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah, See yeah. In Greensboro. See, yeah, all right, man. <laughs> See you in Greensboro. Hopefully one of us won't get screwed in Greensboro. That's the attitude to take. All the coaches know they've been on the receiving against bad calls. But, you know, the attitude is it only happens to me. You know, why can't I benefit from a bad call here and there? And ultimately, my beef with any time we have this conversation, Joe, you're right. What happened with DJ Burns at the end of that game was dumb. I'm not yeah, disputing I, that. Yeah, I just don't I don't get the reward to Jesse Edwards, you know, one of the best rebounders, one of the best yep. shot blockers in the league. Yep. For embellishing and flopping. Totally I, I, I just don't, and especially in that situation, knowing it's Burns' fifth. Yeah. So that's a bad call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, I think the last call was the one that had kind of rankled Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I didn't get a good enough look at it for me to tell you but the it wasn't a foul, is- wasn't a foul. I don't know the answer to that one. My main concern with the officiating is. I just don't understand why college still puts up with the block charge nonsense. You're, uh, uh, if you think about all of the different controversies, mm-hmm. how many of them involve that? I do think 75%, I would say, involve, oh, they got either right, they got it wrong, or it was involved. You know, if you, t- if you don't reward the flop, if you don't reward falling down, you would help yourself tremendously the, by the- taking the call out of the game. Talent is the problem. And I agree with that. But Talent's the problem. But and not it, in this particular instance. That's why I'm saying it's one of the league's sure, best shot blockers. Sure. He's 6'10". Go up and contest the play. Mm-hmm. You don't need to embellish and fall back like somebody had just you know, sniped you from the 10th row. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias. It is Philip Isley. He is the chairman of the Centennial Authority. And yesterday, they... Showed us more renderings. And, Philip, we appreciate the time. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of renderings. I'm ready for some ground to be broken around PNC Arena uh, and get this thing going. So what what is going on and what, what are the potential holdups for this re-envisioned PNC Arena Carter-Finley Stadium development? 
There are um, a lot of things happening right now. Uh, there have been lots of moving parts over the past years as well. We had a basically a look at what renderings might be done to enhance the arena back in 2019, and then COVID hit. So those were tabled. Uh, we refreshed that effort, and we're doing additional market studies right now. And right now our focus is on renovating the arena itself. So there won't be a whole lot of ground broken around the arena. It'll, it, we will hopefully be expanding some of the footprint, especially if there's a sports book out there. Um, but I don't know if you all got the, the document from yesterday, but it's still pretty much inside the building, refurbing, repurposing some space. And it just takes time. You know, I, I will um, sort of remind your audience that you know, this is state property. We are leasing this property from the state of North Carolina. We have written contractual agreements with both Gale Force Holdings, the, the Hurricanes, as well as North Carolina State University. And in those documents, there are lots of parts and pieces that provide us, as well as our two major tenants, NC State and Gale Force Holdings, with rights, some reciprocal and some exclusive. And so we have to work through all that. In addition, the other complication is our funding authority are the counties, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the government, local governments of Wake County and the city of Raleigh. And so when we hold our hand out for our mom and dad, i.e., you know, money from the interlocal agreement, we have to go through the city and the county. And so this current effort has been designed primarily to get us to a point where I can go to those bodies and Jeff Merritt and I you know, can, can go to a meeting and say, this is what we think we're going to need. This is what we believe we can do over the next three to four years. You know, please provide us with the appropriate funding that we can move forward because once that occurs and we figure out what we can do, everything else we're looking at then begins to kick off. And that includes, you know, long-term lease negotiations with the Carolina Hurricanes, which also likely includes some phased-in development approach around the arena, but I don't foresee that happening for, for many years right now. But that's sort of, in a nutshell, what we're doing. And it, it may feel slow, but we're effectively another government agency that is constrained by, you know, the documents that we have in place as well as how we get funding. So that's a very long answer to your very short question. Philip Isley is the board of the Centennial Authority. And listen, we're going to break news here today on the OG, <laughs> Philip. Whether, whether you like it or not, sir, uh, respectfully, let's just answer this very pertinent question. All right? Once and for all, is there going to be a parking deck out at PNC Arena? Is that what's going to be included in this new fangled expansion? I'm all for the sports book, by the way. Uh, let's open no, up those naming rights to Gilio, please. But there will be no parking deck for our current expansion. Okay, um, repeat that so everyone hears it, because you know we have a lot of NC State fans that listen to this program. Say it again. There, there will be no parking deck as part of our arena expansion project that we're talking about right now. So All right, everyone can rest assured that you know there will be no structured deck out there anytime for the next year or two for sure. Oh, next year. There's a qualification, but either way, Dennis. Clip that. Send it to WRL right now. We've got breaking news right here. <laughs> Philip Isley promises no parking deck. No, no, Philip. I think he wants to clip that and send it to all the RV guys uh, out at Carter Finley Stadium. Um, well, but so and this to remind y'all, you know, the only land that we control is around the arena. Mm -hmm. 
We have nothing to do with anything at Carter Finley. We don't have anything to do with the Department of Agricultural Land where others park, you know, Carl Gibbons High School. I mean, we only control, I think we're in year 76 of a 99-year lease, you know, the 81 acres. I think the entire property is 88. The right. arena takes up seven or eight. We are we have 80 to 81. That does include, you know, a lot of woods, some, uh, some uh, you know, knolls with grass on it. But for the most part, you know, that's what we have. So we're not impacting anything else around the arena. And I don't think we're going to be impacting anything on the arena site for, like I said, I mean, for, for years. I mean, it's going to take us probably two years to get to a point where we're actually doing anything in the building, mm-hmm. just given all the things we have to work through. You know, there will be at least another football, basketball, and hockey season, I, I believe, before things really start moving forward. Can we just also, Philip Isley, make sure who's ever in charge of repairing the elevators right now at PNC Arena is not in charge of whatever this expansion project is. Okay. I think they're doing one. I think they're doing one elevator a season at this point. Well, you know that, that, that's been a challenge. Uh, you know, it is. We're, we're, we're just we just approved a contract in early February to repair an escalator, which apparently is oh also a challenge. I see. Uh, I see. There, there's, there are lots of mechanical challenges. Yeah. You know, and to your point. The building is 23 years old, mm-hmm. and I will say that the elevators look pretty swell right now. And I yeah, like all, the all way things considered, yeah. And you know, it's it's a bit of a hassle, but it's going to be repaired. But that's a microcosm of why we need to put more money into the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we believe, and I and I've toured a bunch of arenas since I've been on the authority. We're still in better shape than many buildings built after us. Okay, and our bones are great. There's a lot of life left in that building once we can just sort of make things nicer, you know, have some 21st century amenities added to it. But the cool thing that we, we have learned over the past few months is despite what seems to be uh, a reasonable belief that the building code may have gotten stricter over time, we actually believe that the building code will allow us to take out up to four different stair banks to really open up the areas in the sort of east and west side, mm-hmm. uh, which will be an extraordinary sort of gathering place, open up the, some of the lobby areas, open up some of the the, uh, the areas for you know additional food and bev or just gathering places. So that's sort of cool, and it'll feel a whole lot more open than it currently does. Philip Isley joining us. Chair Centennial Authority here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obies. We'll close on this, Philip, and we appreciate your time. I wanted to get back to the development of the area uh, because I think, as you illustrated, everybody's on board with modernizing the arena and the arena space. But that entire area of PNC Arena and Carter-Finley Stadium requires a lot more um, synergy, I guess, and is, is the current fight over who gets to develop that area? Because there you could do so much more and bring much more events if that area is, as the buzzword would be, activated. More restaurants, more hotels, more bars, things to do before and after a game rather than what we have now, which is fun for tailgating, but not necessarily something that really makes a lot of sense for future concerts and events. Well, look, you know, if... if I sent you all the the document that we looked at back in October that our experts uh, have prepared for us. You know, the the original documents regarding our leasing of the property as well as our tenants' rights included 
in, you know, in contractual language that parties have certain development rights on the property. And mm-hmm. one of those uh, groups is Gale Force Holdings. NC State has the ability to agree to it or not. And then we also have the ability to develop it ourselves if we wanted to. So, you know, everybody has this development right. And it was absolutely intended when this property was built that something would go out there. So, you know, I'm mindful of the issue related to the tailgating uh, at the, the arena, around the arena. I mean, you know, everybody wants to say that NC State loves to tailgate. Well, so do the Hurricanes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So do concert fans. I mean, this is not just limited to one you know, our, our largest public university band, it's related to the community. And, you know, the, the thing that I would say is the tailgate culture is so strong out there because there is not much to do mm-hmm. when you get out there. And, you know, if I had my druthers, I, I believe that a phased in approach to allow some reasonable development to occur that does bring in hotels, that does bring in places to live, work, play, ultimately can occur in a phase and approach where no one's losing a ton initially and, and people start getting used to this idea that, Oh, I can go to a hotel or I can go to a bar or I can go to a restaurant, whether, you know, when it's a hundred degrees outside for a 12 noon state game or 32 degrees outside for a Carolina hurricanes hockey game and get out of the elements, have a pleasant meal, drink, you know, hang out in the lobby of a hotel and then go enjoy whatever game concert you, that you're going to. Now, you know, all this is also related to can we keep the hurricanes here for a long time? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the last thing I'll say is this issue, we, we have to decide this issue because it also relates to our ability to get money from the city and the county. So all of this is tied together. We're all, all of our tenants are like-minded that we have to figure this out in a way that makes sense for our tenants as well as the community. Because you, everyone has to remember that, you know, this is getting paid for by an additional tax on prepared food and beverage and, and hotel room nights. So, you know, we have an obligation to Raleigh, Wake County, Eastern North Carolina, to make sure we do this the right way that we've done and that we've pr- uh, provided the public in our legal documents you know, relating to everyone's rights and responsibilities. And I think that when people are serious and sit down and understand how this can occur, more people than not will be willing to believe what I believe that this area can be an extraordinary asset to the community and not adversely impact any of the teams or concert goers or what the community expects. Hmm. Philip Isley, chairman of the Centennial Authority. We appreciate your time. Uh, you going to the stadium series game? Of course I am. Of I hope course. you are. Oh yeah, no, we'll be, uh, we'll be out there. Uh, we'll be out there We're doing going, the show. I, I, I'm going to, tomorrow night for the hockey uh, going to Hootie, going to mm-hmm. Stadium Series, and going—you know—hopefully see the Pack win on on Sunday. I don't know, Philip. Depends on the officials, as uh, we've been discussing <laughs> all day today. All right, Philip, we appreciate the time, man. It was great to talk to y'all both. Thank you. <laughs>